All right, let's continue here with the company's amendment bill. Uh, That process being delayed through the legislative process for about two years, but it looks like in 2021 it could well be signed into law. Now, if passed, some of the proposals are that... um, Public and state-owned companies will be forced to disclose the highest and lowest paid employee salaries. Professor Anita Bosch is the professor at the University of Stellenbosch Business School and she holds the research chair for women at work. Professor Bosch, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning. I'm happy to be with you in this new year. You know, let's talk about this company's amendment bill. What does it mean? Is this what we need to finally understand why the pay gap or the inequality that leads ultimately to the inequality that we see in a country like ours? uh, Is this going to be a clear way of finding out why things are the way they are? Well, uh, you know, the Professor Bosch, Bosch, I can't hear anything you're saying. Maybe if you can just move around a little bit for me. There we go. I'm hearing you better now. Go for it. Great. Uh, So the question that you're asking is a very large one with a lot of systemic reasons for it. And so the Companies Act uh, changes will not necessarily give us an answer uh, about the phenomenon. But um, I'd like to point out that some of the issues um, that will be amended or or proposed to be amended has not been gazetted yet. So there's some discussion amongst different groups, NEDLAC, uh, various other uh, groupings, about what exactly the level of reporting should be and what level of disclosure should be mandated in the Companies Act. That because it hasn't been officially gazetted, we're unclear at this point in time exactly what government would like to propose in, in the amendment around a pay gap reporting. In some of the discussions that have taken place so far, what has been the proposals? Well, well, some of the the ideas that are uh, going around would be that uh, there should be a reporting of the difference between the highest earner in an organization and the lowest earner, what that gap is, what's the average gap, and then also the median. Um, and that in itself, just saying that, uh, represents a number of issues that could be problematic. For instance, are we talking about um, the the base pay of, for instance, let's say the CEO is the highest earner? Are we talking about base pay to base pay comparisons? Are we talking about pay that includes all the variable pay components, such as um, you know, shares uh, and, 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 and share options. What are we talking about? Bonuses, for instance. Um, so there's a lot of grey areas around this. And because it's not been gazetted yet, the discussion is abound. Uh, but definitely that there would be a type of a, a clearer disclosure that seems as though that's the direction um, that this bill will be going. You know, 
Oh, oftentimes, a lot of uh, private organizations, of course, uh, it's quite difficult to find out exactly what the salary scales are because um, they, they don't have that level of a responsibility in terms of disclosure, whereas I suppose if you're, if you're working with some public entities, that information is much more uh, publicly available. Is that going to change? Not necessarily through this bill. Mm. Um, I wrote an article and published it last year specifically on the gender pay gap. Um, And one of the things that we do know is that as an employee in an organization, you have the right to request to look at the salary scales. Um, That should be freely available in an organization, or if it's not freely available, you can ask HR or finance, uh, whomever has responsibility to keep those, to to, to, uh, supply you with that. Um, This is a document that any union would also have access to, and, you know, through collective bargaining, they they would have a process that feeds into salary scales. So that information should, in fact, be um, you know accessible to employees and companies that at the moment are precluding employees from looking at this uh, should really reconsider. Um, you know these these scales are very helpful for for a larger intellectual debate about salaries and for people to really start understanding how salaries are put together, why they pegged at particular levels, how job evaluations work. And if we start educating each other about this, we can eliminate the fluff around this debate. Why is it that there is a reluctance, uh, at least on the part of companies, to be able to take employees into their full confidence? And uh, just listening to what you're saying now, it sounds like there needs to be a lot of administrative um, work that goes into making sure that there are clear explanations for why things are uh, perhaps the way they are in an organization. And, uh, you know, I wonder if if, if many companies actually have the capacity to do that. Yeah, I I don't think it's actually such a difficult thing to do. In fact, uh, similar to educating employees about budgets, how budgets are put together, you know, or why they have particular targets as part of strategic management, organizations should really spend time and believe that the employees that they've employed to, to take the organization forward have the capacity to understand and the need to understand. So this should really be part of general um, information sessions in in organizations. Um, I think uh, very often organizations get stuck in the idea that um, perhaps, uh, you know, something will be disclosed and will cause an uproar in the organization. Mm. Now, that Mm. can only really happen if you don't apply your own remuneration principles that you should have as a measure of good governance. Mm, mm. Um, and so outside of that, you know, I'm sure if somebody is paid above a particular pay grade where they perhaps, where that, their job perhaps should be uh, located, the, the rationale for that should be clear. There mm. should be documentation to say why is this person being paid above a particular pay, gra- pay grade. Um, and so in terms of that level of governance, the only thing that I can think of is that organizations are, uh, are fearful 
that perhaps they're not keeping the right records and they mm. don't have backup mm. for the decisions that they make. Uh, absolutely. You know, tr- transparency undoubtedly uh, always leads to, to greater accountability, right? Because people now not just ask questions, but uh, they're asking them from within the correct context. And so um, the, 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 the issues that they raise tend to be more specific. So we're going to continue our conversation with Professor Anita Bosch. What a exactly then will be the purpose of these disclosures that companies might be forced to do. What's What purpose uh, will it serve? We'll find out from uh, Professor Bosch in a moment. You can also get in touch with us on 011-714-2006. The SMS line is 41391 and on WhatsApp 0614-104-107. On Twitter, it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag SFM talking point. Would you want to know how much your CEO earns in your organization? Do you want to know how much your manager earns in an organization? I just remember the little, you know, the the HR slips that come with confidential. I I feel like I'm invading in somebody's personal life and personal details, but I know many of you will certainly not have that sense. All right, we'll continue after this. Leading the conversation. You're live on The Talking Point. We're continuing our conversation with Professor Anita Bosch. Uh, she's with the uh, Stellenbosch Business School. That's the university. And we're talking about the company's amendment bill, which could lead to greater disclosures over salaries in organizations. And, you know, Professor Bosch, before into break, I was alluding to um, the confidentiality matters around salaries, etc. Where do those come in? Yes, so we have a Protection of Private Information Act, Mm. and that is one of the acts that has a a clear sort of counter-impact on whatever else is legislated. So so in terms of the Protection of uh, Private Information Act, um, you know, there are particular areas that's relatively graceful with regards to, for instance, salaries of individuals. However, if the companies act mandate that the um, the salary of the highest earner and the lowest earner must be declared. Mm. Um, it's unclear whether they'll go as far as stating that the name of the salary earner should also be made um, uh, public, you know, in, in that, in that uh, disclosure. Um, but but uh, so, so, sorry yeah. to come in there, Prof. Uh, would it not say that um, the, the highest paid salary is the position of X and is so much and therefore uh, lead to very easy identification of the individuals? Well, it could be or they could just say the amount is X okay. and the amount is Y mm. and therefore mm. look at the difference. So mm. it depends on what, what would be firstly placed in the Gazette and then secondly, you know, what the comments, the official comment on that would be. Obviously, there's always processes that run before a, um, a bill is gazetted or an amendment bill is, is gazetted. And those processes are running and there are a number of bodies that are working on different ways um, uh, of disclosing different ratios, what would be useful, mm-hmm. how to go about it in the South African context. Because we do have uh, large gaps between the lower and lowest and the highest earner, 
And so what would be the responsible way of actually disclosing this information? Yeah. Because the reality is that it's also likely to cause a lot of dissatisfaction um, once some of these details uh, are, you know, are made public and people really know how big the, 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 the gap between salaries of executives and the lowest paid is. Yes. Well, and there's various ways also that companies can kind of outmaneuver this reporting, such as not including the pay to outsourced workers, um, you know, because they're not officially employees of the company. Mm. Um, and there's various other, um, I think, benchmarks that need to be put in place. For instance, whether you take the, um, the average um, earnings of unskilled workers, uh, to skilled work to workers and various other types of ratios that you can look at that might be more meaningful as a comparison. Because if you only work with the lowest and the highest earner, then you're also not looking at the skills levels, the experience levels mm. that are required and various mm. other factors that have a major impact on those differences. Mm. But what is clear is once a gap like that is published and made um, made known, um, there will be a lot of um, uh, dissatisfaction. And if we don't educate people about salaries, how they put together, why they are placed in a particular place in an organization, then you are going to end up with uh, with uh, dissatisfied employees that don't really understand. Professor Bosch? All right, I think we've lost the line to Professor Anita Bosch there. Uh, I was going to try and redial her. While we do that, uh, Mike in Newlands is on the line. Mike, uh, compliments of the new year. Thank you so much, Cathy, and to you as well, and all the best with 2021. Mm. Let's hope it's not too exciting. Um, <laughs> Kathy, I really would like the professor being online, but I, I, what I have to say, uh, maybe she'll pick up along the way, mm. is that, you know, we, as, a, as an ex-employer, it was bad enough I had to put up with expropriation without compensation, unions, a collapsed a health system, um, a, a massive taxation, and, and extremely tough labor laws. I cannot believe that we're now going to add to our list of how to how to discourage anybody opening a business or starting a business in South Africa is now legislation where you actually have to disclose what you earn to your employees. And by that I mean is when I started off in the business that I had, I started off as a driver, I ended up working as a manager and eventually I bought the business and I built it up to 170 people. But I sent for 10 years uh, my house, in fact, more than that, actually more like 15 years, my house was on the line. I took almost no money out of the business. And for five years, I never took a day's leave. And by the way, I was never six for one day, 30 years. But so now all of a sudden I am making money. I've got 170 people. I've got a big enterprise and uh, it was doing extremely well. Uh, and and, and, and I, by the way, I was the best employee in the Western Cape as voted by one of the unions. So I wasn't doing badly. But if the staff had to know what I was earning, uh, it would have been the end of my business simply because you can't factor in all the 10 years, 15 years of risk 
and hard work because they'll come along and say, oh, I see Mr. Irks, Mr. Clark's earning 50,000 rand a month and I'm only earning 5,000 rand a month. Mm. That's not fair. But you, because it's complete madness. How it works in business is this. If you've got a corporate company, you get shareholders and I'm a shareholder of a corporate company. I look at the shareholding, I see the balance and I see what the directors and the chairman earns. And if the company's making good returns, I'm quite happy to go with that. If it's a private company, well, it is just that. You join the private company, you work for the guy, you offer him your skills and labor. If he wants them, he'll pay you for them what the market will pay, not what the CEO's earning has nothing to do with him. And if he doesn't like your skills, he'll find somebody else. But it's a, you, you offer your skills and you work harder than the next guy. You will succeed. But if you want to kill a business, a private business, or frankly any business, but public businesses are open, anybody knows what they earn at Barlow's and all these companies. But a little guy that's earning maybe 50 or 60 people, that is the end of that business because I promise you, the staff and the unions will confide next to you. They will kill you. They will take you out of business so fast. And I'll tell you a funny story. One day I was, I was Mercedes-Benz said, listen, Mr. Clark, take this to car for a test drive, which I did. It was a supercar, and I pulled up inside of my factory, and within half an hour, half my staff went on strike <laughs> on, the basis, on the basis that I bought yeah. a new car without telling them. Uh. I, I mean, it was just ridiculous. I All took right. the car back. I still bought the car, Kathy, but you know what? I never bought it to work mm -hmm. because I was too scared because I don't have time to educate people. This is complete nonsense. I hope the professor's listening, and I'd love to talk to her because she completely lost the plot. Oh. Thanks so much, Kathy. All right, Mike. Well, it's it's not the professor's idea, you know, so uh, she's just giving us her own reflections uh, of of this as a, a as a, a professor at a business school. So we'll continue with Anita after the 10.30 news headlines. Nandika is standing by. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Uh, so we're talking about the company's amendment bill and Professor Anita Bosch is with the Stellenbosch Business School. Uh, Professor Bosch, maybe just to speak to some of uh, the issues that our caller Mike was raising, and this is around the general dissatisfaction that you and I had been touching on, that these disclosures may lead to in organizations. And he says, well, uh, if you're a small to medium enterprise and you're forced to disclose, it could well be the end of you is that what is that a a, a, a probable outcome of of this legislation and i think that you know exactly it speaks to the complexity of this issue which um i'm sure government is well aware of and therefore a lot of groupings are busy working on um making suggestions about the different indicators and and perhaps how to go about it in in South Africa specifically. Um, one of the issues that we, um, that I wrote about last year in another um, article was specific to saying that um, small organizations most likely should not be included in, in any type of formal um, uh, mandated trans transparency around pay, um, simply because there is a, uh, an administrative burden uh, around it. Um, and, and the second thing is also that very often, you know, those, those operators are just really, really, those organizations are really just struggling to keep things together and, and make business of it. Um, we have the Employment Equity Act, uh, which stipulates that a designated employer is an organization employing 50 or more people and then there's particular turnover figures also. So it could be a small employer, but if you hit a particular turnover, um, mark, then you would be included as a designated employer as well. 
And we think that that's most likely the way that uh, any changes in legislation would go, um, you know, would include those employers. In other words, it's a designated employer to do a level of reporting. Yes, it is definitely going to be a touchy issue. And as the caller indicated, um, you know, if people are not informed about how businesses operate, how budgets work, how salaries work, they are likely to want to uh, down tools and strike. Again, I'm coming back and I do not think that it is, um, you know, ludicrous to suggest that as South Africans and as South African business operators, we have a responsibility to educate people around us. Because if people are better informed, they can make less emotive decisions about it. Um, and, and, and the workforce and, uh, you know, we're creating a national South that understand economic principles. Without that, we remain in this bind uh, where there's tension uh, between people uh, from different ideological backgrounds because they've been informed differently. Um, and if we, if, we, if we don't start working on that, we'll continue to have this discussion forever in a day. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, the undercurrent in that is potentially that we assume that employees cannot understand, and I refuse to accept that um, mm-hmm. As, as an explanation. Professor Anita Bosch, let me thank you so much uh, for your time. I tell you what, it could well lead to some changes in careers, right? Uh, one would look at that scale and think, hmm, maybe I'm, I'm in the wrong profession. I should not be doing what I'm doing. Uh, she's a professor at the University of Stellenbosch Business School. She also holds the research chair for women at work. So uh, in a moment, we're going to be looking then further afield on the continent. In particular, Ugandans are getting ready to go to the polls and uh, one of the key presidential candidates, this is uh, Bobby Wine. He coming under increasing pressure and we've seen, right, we've seen the harassment of Mr. Wine throughout um, the year on which he has been campaigning as he prepares to face Yoweri Museveni, who is the incumbent. And um, yeah, that harassment not letting up literally a day before before Ugandans go to elections. We'll find out what the situation in that country is in a moment. Before we do that, though,